0: We're beginning some Christmas messages this morning with you. These messages, today's title is, How Can This Be? from Luke 1, 34. Lord willing, next Sunday, the message will be, With God, Nothing Will Be Impossible from Luke 1, verse 37. Then December 18th, the title, Blessed Is She Who Believed?, That's Luke 1, verse 45. And on Christmas Day, a Lord's Day this year, Christmas Day, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Luke 1, 46 to 47. You know, I want to state the obvious to begin with that there's a lot about the true Christmas story that should make us ask the question how can it be? How can it be a pregnant virgin? How can it be favored shepherds? How can it be an angelic choir? How can it be a guiding star? How can it be? How can it be magi star students bringing gifts that would foreshadow the death and atoning work of Christ? How can it be? How can it be God become flesh? How can it be? Wow. May we never get over the wow factor of all that is the Christmas story. Because in the wow factor of all that is the Christmas story, we will see the answer to every how can it be question that we would have is a big miracle working God. Amen. A big miracle working God is the answer to every how can it be question that would be associated with the true Christmas story. How can it be that a virgin was pregnant? The answer, a big, miracle-working God. How can it be that the lowly blue-collar shepherds heard first about the Messiah's birth? The answer being, a big, miracle-working God. Question, how can there have been an angelic choir? Answer, a big, miracle-working God. Question, how can there be a guiding star? Answer, a big, miracle-working God. How can there be gifts foreshadowing the death of Messiah? Answer a big miracle working God, and how can very God become very flesh? And the answer a big miracle working God. Christmas is supernatural, not Santa Claus. Christmas is miracle not many traditions. Christmas is power, not presence. Christmas is how can this be, not this hustle and this hurry. Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. Luke chapter 1, beginning of verse 26. I'll begin by reading the whole passage which is verses 26 to 34. Hear the word of God. Luke 1, verse 26 to 34. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Verse 26, to go through the passage with some detail. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. The sixth month referred to, of course, is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy when she was carrying in her womb. The baby who would become to be known as John the Baptist and this John was Jesus second cousin verse 27 to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the Virgin's name was Mary we are not exactly sure how old Mary was when the angel Gabriel came to her to announce her miraculous pregnancy by the Holy Spirit But we could safely say, I think, she was some age between the age of 14 and the age of 20. We may not be sure of her age, but we are sure of something. We're sure that she was a medically defined virgin. That is, she had never had intimate relations with any man. We're sure of that. Because the Greek word used here in the verse I've read is parthodos. Parthenos is used to describe Mary here and that word in the Old and the New Testaments, that word Parthenos, always and only meant a virgin, one who had never had any intimate relations with any man. And so the miracle of the virgin birth is very important because without the miracle of the virgin birth, the Lord Jesus would have been born with a sin nature which he was not because no human was his biological father but rather God the Father sent the Holy Spirit and Mary's pregnancy was due to the miracle of the, of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. Verse 28 And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Highly favored one literally is in the Greek, one filled with grace. Rejoice, one filled with grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. The Greek word here is karatao, one who is filled with grace. The only other place it occurs in the New Testament is in Ephesians 1.6. And amazingly, Ephesians 1.6 indicates that all believers... Each one of us who know Christ as Savior, all believers are ones who are filled with grace. Mary was filled with grace, but according to Ephesians 1.6, all who trust Christ alone for salvation, you if you're saved, you are filled, you are one who is filled with grace. Let me ask you this, does the grace of God that fills you overflow from you to your spouse? Does the grace of God, which fills you as a redeemed person, overflow to your children, overflow to your grandchildren, overflow to your business associates? Because you are filled with the grace of God, even as Mary was filled with the grace of God, we are filled with the grace of God if we're saved. Does that overflowing grace show up in how we do our business? How we view the downtrodden, how we understand those who need Christ. Does the grace of God that fills us as believers in Christ, is it evident and seen and manifest in how we treat each other and everyone that comes across our path? Highly favored one, one filled with grace. Verses 27 to 28. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When the angel told her, blessed are you among or rather, the Lord is with you. When he said, the Lord is with you, remember that prior to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament time, including the time when Gabriel came to Mary, that the Holy Spirit only visited believers temporarily for them to be able to do some exploits that God intended to do through them. So when the shepherd boy David came to the Israelite camp And they were all shaking in their boots, intimidated by Goliath. When David sized up the situation, he knew that this Goliath giant couldn't mock God. It wasn't right. And so he presented himself to God to be the warrior that would fight Goliath, even though he was a young man. And Goliath was huge. The Holy Spirit visited the shepherd boy David when he slung that stone, that rock, and it hit the giant in such a way that it killed him. That was the kind of ministry the Holy Spirit had in the Old Testament. He visited believers to do things that God wanted to have done through those believers. Elijah and the prophets of Baal, you remember when they drenched, they altered the, altar that the uh, idols of Baal they were praying to and worshiping, and they... <laughs> no fire came, excuse me, they drenched the altar of the Lord with water, pardon me, and Elijah called down fire from heaven to prove the true and living God of the Israelites is the true and living God. The Holy Spirit visited Elijah for that time period to do that mighty vindictive public ministry of the truth of the the God of the Israelites. And that's also how David would legitimately pray in Psalm 51 after he fell into the sins of adultery and murder. When he prayed in Psalm 51, he was right when he prayed, take not that, the whole, thy Holy Spirit from me. We don't have to pray that prayer in this dispensation because we are permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost. We can't evict him from our lives due to our sin, but we can grieve him when we sin. So, David's prayer in Psalm 51 isn't an appropriate prayer for you in the church age or for me. We ought never to pray, take not your Holy Spirit from me, because he's not going to take his Holy Spirit from us. But in the dispensation that Mary lived in, that was a legitimate prayer. But Gabriel told Mary, the Lord is with you. Wonderful. 29 and 30. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She was troubled in the sense that she was afraid. And you would have been afraid too. Here, Gabriel appears to her unexpectedly says that she's going to have a baby, although she's a virgin, that the baby is going to be God's son, the son of the most high God, she was afraid, and rightly so. We would have been afraid too. Verse 30 again. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So she was afraid and troubled, not in the sense of doubting, She was afraid and troubled in the sense of trying to figure it out. She believed it was going to happen, but she didn't know how. Maybe that's where you are this morning. That there's something that you're trusting the Lord for that you believe God is going to do, but frankly, you don't know how he's going to do it. As they say on television, stay tuned. Let's see how he does it. His ways are so much higher than our ways. So how he does it may be something that's not even in your thought of possibility. 31. And behold, angel speaking, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. When Mary heard the name to be given to her miracle son, she 100% knew how huge her miracle pregnancy would be. Verses 32 to 33. He will be great, the angel said, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. (laughs) He will be great indeed. He will be the son of the highest. He will be equal with the most high God. He will be God. He will be divinity. He will be undiluted, very 100% God. And then the angel made reference that he would sit one day on the throne of his father, David. Of course, that throne of David is literal. It's going to be in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. And one day, after the tribulation, the Lord Jesus Christ will return a second time, mount that Temple Mount literally, physically, visibly, and sit on David's literal throne to rule and to reign the world, to suppress evil, to foster and to reward righteousness. Jesus came the first time at Christmas as the Lamb of God, but Jesus Christ will come the second time as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The anticipated Messiah. And then Mary asks a very reasonable question in verse 34. And then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man. She wasn't asking that question with ah. Uh. She was asking that question with hmm. There's a difference between ah uh, and hmm. She asked the question with hmm. If you go back in the chapter to verse 18 you'll see that Mary's response to the angel was different than Zacharias response to the angel concerning John the Baptist's gift as a baby 18 to 20 Luke 1 and Zacharias said to the angel how shall we know this For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their own time. So the difference is that Zacharias heard what Gabriel said and went, eh. Mary heard Gabriel's words and went, hmm. Which would you be? Nah. Or, hmm. There's a big difference. Now we know that Mary pondered but didn't doubt The angel Gabriel's message because she didn't get the same response from Gabriel that doubting Zacharias got he was rendered speechless he couldn't speak as a judgment for his doubt Mary did not have anything to judge as sin in the response she made to Gabriel she went hmm How are you responding to what God tells you in his word? As you read God's word each day and he speaks to you through scripture, how are you responding? With doubt or with acceptance? Not with, you don't claim a full understanding of how God's truth is found in his word is going to come to bear in your situation, but you know that God's word will come to pass somehow. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? Of course, that was a logical and a reasonable question for her to ask. And the simple and the sufficient answer to the question was, and the simple and sufficient answer to the question still is this. A big, miracle-working God. Back then the answer to her question, how can this be since I've never known a man? The answer was a big miracle working God. And whatever your situation is, whatever it is, that mountain you don't know how you're going to climb. That problem how you don't know how you're going to solve. Whatever it is, the answer is the answer Gabriel gave to Mary. And that answer is essentially a miracle, big miracle working God. Take that away from this service in your heart and mind. And don't forget, a big miracle-working God. And so on this side of the cross, we can ask, how can it be that God became human? This side of the cross, we can ask, how can it be that we believers are justified or regenerated or redeemed or adopted How can it be this side of the cross that believers like us can be forgiven, can be credited with Christ's righteousness? How can it be on this side of the cross, we ask, how can it be that we believers are intercepted from going to hell, guaranteed heaven, victorious over Satan and sin? How can it be this side of the cross that we believers are planted into Christ as our identity How can it be that we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? How can it be that we're sealed by that same Holy Spirit of God? How can it be that we're given spiritual gifts at the point of our conversions? How can it be, how can it be that we are cleansed by Christ's blood? How can it be? A big, miracle-working God. How can it be that God, the Holy Spirit, is inside of us. Hmm. Hmm. A big and a miracle-working God. That's who you come to worship today. That's who you serve when you go to your workplaces this week. A big miracle-working God. That's how you're to look at your family strife or your finances or your health, a big, miracle-working God. You may have learned a little chorus that I learned when I was a boy. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And so when the Virgin Mary asked, how can this be? God said, me. Mary said, how can this be? And God said to Gabriel, me. And when you ask and when I ask, how can this be? God still says, me. Me that's how it can be God says me and so I wonder as you sit here in worship do you have a prodigal child do you have aged parents do you have an unfaithful spouse how can this be God says me Do you have bills? Do you have guilt? Do you have sickness? You ask the Lord, how can this be? And he says, me. Or are you here today and you say, my problem is loneliness or weariness or discouragement. How can this be, Lord? And he whispers to you, me. Or you're here today and you say, my, my thing is my fear, my anxiety, my dot, 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 fill in the blank, my dot, dot, dot. Lord, how can this be? And you're loving, all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God says, me. Me. God says, how can it be? You ask me, how can it be? God says, I say, me. Let's bow. Lord, thank you for being so strong and so mighty. There's nothing that you cannot do. Thank you that you are the big, miracle-working God Lord, you know your children. You love each of us. You know us by name and by needs. You know us from the crowns of our heads to the soles of our feet. You know everything about us, every relationship, every challenge, every mountain, every pain, every problem. Teach us to look to you with the simple question How can this be, Lord? And to hear, us, hear you from your words say, how can this be? Me, leave it with me, give it to me, trust me, rest in me, me. Lord, may I take that posture this week and may all of my dear friends whom I love, may they take this posture too, Lord. Because when a believer understands that God is saying to the question, how can this be, that God is saying, me, that it changes everything. It changes peace, it changes joy, it changes love, it changes hope, it changes attitude, it changes everything. Thank you, Lord, for being our big and miracle-working God. And we pray in Jesus' name and God's precious church said, Amen, Amen.